All right, let me tell you about uh, Good Ranchers. Um, the uh, The price of beef is already high. It is going to go up, according to experts, another 15% in 2023. You're already overpaying. There's no reason. Our ranchers are being ripped off by these food processing companies, uh, and you're being ripped off. Uh, here's the good news. You can lock in your price on all of the meat you buy with Good Ranchers. If you subscribe to Good Ranchers... Uh, you're going to be immune to the price increases. Just as importantly, all the beef and chicken and everything else you're buying is 100% American. High quality beef, seafood, and chicken, all American from GoodRanchers.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Lock in your price for the entire year. Price is going to go up, but not for you. GoodRanchers.com, promo code Glenn. During World War One and slightly before, you had the Fabian Socialists, and these were guys who believed in a lot of the things that we're seeing today. They were nihilists, they were anti-human, uh, and they followed the science. And Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem about truths, eternal truths, which he called the gods of the copybook headings. It ends in return of truths. All of the truths are chased out by these uh, experts. And then the gods of the market tumbled, and their smooth-tongued wizards withdrew, and the hearts of the meanest were humbled, and began to believe it was true that all is not gold that glitters, and two and two do make four. And the gods of the copybook headings limped up to explain it once more. So when truth was beginning to be restored, here's what happened. As it will be in the future, it was at the birth of man. There are only four things certain since social progress began. That the dog returns to his vomit and the sow returns to her mire. And the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire. And after all of this is accomplished, and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. I'm going to give you an example of art imitating life, yet art is just ahead of real life, and it is heralding the return of the copybook headings in 60 seconds. Ever had that moment, maybe when you're standing there in front of the bathroom mirror, you know, buttoning up the sleeves of your shirt in the morning, and you're, you just think, I couldn't have done that a while ago. I have those moments all the time. 
I was in pain. I used to, my wife used to get up with me in the morning and it was so humiliating. She would have to button my shirts in the morning or tie my shoes because I was in so much pain, I couldn't do it. I started taking Relief Factor and I try, I went to the Mayo Clinic, I went everywhere to try to stop pain. Nothing really worked unless it just drugged me out. Relief Factor has changed my life. Give Relief Factor a try right now. It was developed by doctors and 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. So try it for three weeks. ReliefFactor.com. 800, the number four relief. 800 for relief. ReliefFactor.com. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. So uh, we're going to talk about the M&M's controversy here in just a minute. We're going to cover all the really important stuff um, today. But I want to start with a couple of cultural things that I think are important. Um, I saw the movie The Menu last Saturday. And as a horror black comedy drama, it's well written. It's well acted. Um, it's a new concept. It's not a retread of anything. And four out of five stars. Absolutely worth seeing if you like this kind of thing. But what this movie, what this movie really says, um, is really worth the price of admission. What this movie is actually saying about the view of the American left is much more terrifying than the plot. Now, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to spoil some of it, but not all the stuff at the ending. But um, it's worth spoiling some of the plot because the unwritten motive of the writers or the producers or I don't know is much more interesting than the actual movie. And it's worth seeing. So it was written by two comedy writers. Uh, one is the he spent most of his time writing uh, late night with Seth Meyers. He wrote for The Onion. Um, he's uh, Seth Rice. And then uh, Will Tracy was the other guy. And he wrote for Trevor Oliver and also for The Onion. Um, and, you know, I, I commend them. This is a dark comedy. And it is really, really it's really good. Not so funny, but uh, ironic, you might say. And I don't know what their intentions were, but to me, this movie shows the psyche of the elite and the Hollywood left. Let me just explain what the movie is quickly. The movie is, it starts out with this uh, Tyler Ledford. He's a foodie. He's really into food and he's, he's waiting for the uh, the boat to pull up to take him to this fancy restaurant and he's talking down to this girl that he's with and he's like don't don't i take food very seriously this is very serious and he he gets on the boat and he eats you know like an oyster and he's like oh my gosh and he's just that guy that everybody would hate okay he's just oh oh the the flavor do you have do you, do you have the the oaky finish at the end of you. Oh, shut up. Okay. So he's traveling uh, to this exclusive restaurant uh, by this celebrity chef on this island. And, and it is really exclusive, only like 15 people a night. Uh, and it's, I don't know, $1,500 per person. Okay. The other guests that are attending are the food critic, She's Lillian Bloom, food critic, and her editor, Ted. Okay. 
Then there's Richard and Ann. Uh, they go there all the time. They're regulars there. Then there's a movie star, George and his personal uh, assistant. And then there's the business partners of the restaurant, three guys, kind of Silicon Valley kind of guys. And then for some reason, uh, the chef's alcoholic mother is in the corner. But um, so they get to the island and the the maitre d' greets them at the boat, says to the first guy who's the foodie, wait a minute, you said you were bringing this woman and this isn't. The woman you said, where I know I changed it at the last minute. And there's some tension there, and you don't understand why. So then she goes on. She gives a tour of everything, and it's very, very weird. Then dinner begins, and the chef seems to have like 30 guys behind him, you know, men and women, you know, apprentice chefs, if you will. And they are, uh, it's like military. Yes, chef! Uh, and it's... It's cultish, cultish. So he introduces all of the courses, and each course comes with a really unsettling monologue. Uh, after the third course, uncomfortable truths about each guest, uh, you know, from embezzlement to affairs and everything else, is printed on a tortilla. Each one gets an individual tortilla, and something exposing them is on that tortilla. The fourth course comes out and the sous chef is crying and he's like, I thought I wanted this job. I don't want this job. Uh, and he then kills himself. OK. The staff then makes it really clear. Yeah, there's a spoiler. I said earlier, the spoiler alert. I'm, I'm not going to tell you the ending, but I'm just telling you some of the things that are going on. Makes it clear. You can't leave. They cut off, you know, a guy's finger and everyone's like, what the hell? OK. Um then they go into all of the ways that things are going to happen to people. And what it is, is each guest was invited by the chef to come that night because he says they were responsible or contributed to him losing his passion for his craft or just making a living off of his work and the work of artisans. Uh, and they have to be stopped. Okay, so this is a very elitist chef who is talking about, you know, you are going to you're going to be dining on a whole ecosystem tonight. And it's all very uh, just so pretentious, the entire thing. But he thinks the people that are there are pretentious and they are. And he says, you know, nobody's going to walk out of here uh, alive. Now, the girl that was not supposed to be there, we find out that she's. A, a hooker okay and she was hired to be there with that guy all right won't give you all the details but it's it's uh it's pretty amazing but you kind of get it right off the bat that she's probably you know a hooker she's not a hooker she's an escort so let me summarize we have a chef who lost his passion for his job recruits a staff of perhaps 30 who in the end follow him into this death cult he blames his loss of passion on those who come to his restaurant. He blames uh, th uh, those who are in the restaurant for the loss of his restaurant during COVID because they had to close, not the government. He blames the angel investor who took control because the chef would not compromise on any of his extravagant uh, ingredients. And when I say extravagant, I don't mean, hey, you should replace 
you know, the Colby steak with uh, Salisbury steak. I mean, extravagant. Okay, a massaged cow is not extravagant in this restaurant. So here's here's why I wanted to talk to you about this. In this movie, food is art, food is life, and art gives everything in life meaning. Now, I'm used to going to a movie and seeing the bad guy being, you know, a white guy, uh, you know, some European Nazi, you know, white supremacist, an oil guy, a Trump voter, conservative, you know, just even a Republican. Got it. Got it. The targets and Hollywood movies usually are, you know, from the farmlands, the hapless boob from the small town or somebody who doesn't understand Los Angeles or doesn't wear black like all those in the know in New York City. But here, the nihilist protagonist is himself a disgruntled elite. No question he's an elite, most likely lefty. And he finds abhorrent, not the people in the heartland. He finds abhorrent the people in his own class. Okay? So if you look at the list, you have a member of the critic class. This person just lives to set the rule and tastes for everybody else. The character is really very much the real life. Remember the movie Devil Wears Prada, the real monster, Anna Wintour? This person is so caught up in their own world of their own making that everything not uttered by them is beneath them. This this dialogue between these two characters, her and his uh, her assistant, sounds like any broadcast of MSNBC. It reads like the New York Times editorial board. It's the conversations, you know, you, you would hear from professors who have convinced themselves of all this gobbledygook on any university. It sounds like the World Economic Forum or the Washington Post or New York Times editorial. It's just you don't get it. That kind of attitude. Got it. The yes man is the sycophant that stays by her side. He's not yet ordained, but he so pathetically wants to be a part of that elite in that world. He'll say and do anything. He'll laugh at anybody's jokes. He doesn't realize everybody's laughing at his, you know, behind his, uh, you know, butt kissing back. This is the scene that happens at Vanity Fair's Met Gala every year. It just, I got to be invited. I want to be invited. I, I could be there. I could be there. Okay. All of that garbage that you get from the elites, that's there. The other victim includes the rich, easy target, but not just rich. He's the empty consumer. The rich, the rich aren't villains. Just the rich that consumes what is cool, trendy, and hip. Not because they like it. But they, because they know everybody else who's anybody is consuming it. And so they will do what everybody else does because it's cool. And they don't care about anything. They just want to be in that group. The mindless eater. Now, so far, do any of these characters sound like conservatives? Then there's the vain Hollywood type that will do or say anything just to keep his stardom alive. 
and his guest, a producer who helped or enabled him. Then the angel investor. The angel investor was invited and had to die because he thought compromises should be made in the budget after COVID, while the chef knew there can be no compromise on art. Okay. The evil Silicon Valley financiers who are driven to greed and profit no matter what it takes. The foodie who is also a fake. While he talked a good game, you know, he did it to appear like an elite. He would be better than everyone else, but without any merit whatsoever. So far, what you have is the World Economic Forum. What you have is a microcosm of what we stand against. All of these people who are bogus. Now, the last is the hero of the story. The prostitute. Even though it's clear what she does by the, you know, really towards the beginning of the movie, she's identified as a giver, not a taker, as an artist, someone who understands the art of giving to others. Do you enjoy your work? Well, yes, she's a fellow artist, but she doesn't feel appreciated for what she can give to people. This is the hero, the professional sex worker. My first word after this movie was, wow. Not because it was a good movie, which it was. Wow. Because what it said about what's coming next. I'll tell you about it in 60 seconds. Okay, sometimes you buy meat. It says it's sourced in the USA. It's got the little flag product of the USA. That doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. Uh, six, I think it's 60% of the food you buy is from overseas. Did you know that? That, that's not good. Our American ranchers are being put out of business right now. They're also saying that meat's going to go up by 15% this year. Right now, you can lock in the price of your meat for a year. It's not going to go up. And you can get over two pounds of chicken free in every box for a year when you subscribe to GoodRanchers.com. You want to start the year off right. You want to make sure you're taking care of your budget. You want the best meat. You also want to buy from American ranchers and farmers, American fishermen. You got it with chicken, fish, seafood, and meat from Good Ranchers. Order your box now. Sign up. Uh, Use the promo code Glenn. Claim your free chicken for a year and $20 off your first box. Subscribe today goodranchers.com goodranchers.com american meat delivered 10 seconds station id so we're talking about the menu good movie but i really want to talk about this is art imitating life except art is ahead of life here This shows once everything else is consumed, they eat themselves. Okay. They, they, the elites will turn on themselves after the first course, which is you middle America and all that, that, you know, implies or represents the following courses are all going to be the elite. Those higher elites who find uh, to that, that they, the other people around them are not quite elite enough. And they're all driven to madness by the loss of meaning. 
this is the theme of this program uh, this year internally is meaning. Find meaning in things. So the loss of meaning is what drives this. And that is what's happening because of what society is teaching. It's meaningless. When words have no lasting meaning... When all of our idols are smashed into dust, when the story that holds us all together is shredded or lost, when our gods are money, power, and consumption, when our intellectuals only engage in what, excuse me, is mental masturbation over applied science and applied philosophy, there is no truth, and your only chance to grow in this society is to become a sycophant yes man and just never ask any questions, just Live your life day after day as a featherless parrot. Of course, you're not going to find any meaning in that. You won't find any meaning in that. The Menu is a really good movie. But what it says about the elite ruling class and social class is worth more than the ticket price. Because you witness in this movie what comes after the world slips into madness. And the terror-filled return of eternal truths. This is the end of the gods of the copybook headings. And it actually kind of, for a dark comedy, actually kind of in the end filled me with hope. Because I'm pretty sure the writers get it. But I'm not sure any of the elites in Hollywood get it. They're all fun. Oh, this is such a great movie. The film is wonderful and you should see the cinematography and all of that crap, which it's mocking and saying, you really don't have a reason to live. You're the problem. It's really a fascinating movie. It's called The Menu. Check it out. The Glenn Beck Program. <laughs> I know. Uh, if you're anything like me, you've invested a ton of time and effort, even money, into preserving your family's memories down through the years. Our stories are being lost. They are being taken. They are intentionally being destroyed. And we need to tell our family history. All of the pictures and the home videos, you know, you bought cameras and camcorders and films and tapes. You put some genuine effort into it, and all of that effort is slowly fading away. If you've had these things for 10, 15, 20 years, they are ready to just be lost forever. Legacy Box can help you. Legacy Box has helped me and my family with home movies and photos. You get digital copies back along with your originals. Now in a format that's never going anywhere. You can get them on a thumb drive. You can get them on the cloud. It's it's a, an amazing product. You owe it to your family to safeguard your family story. Just go to LegacyBox.com slash Beck. Shop the exclusive offer on right now at LegacyBox.com slash Beck. And head over to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. You can subscribe there. Get 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV when you use the promo code Glenn.
Welcome, welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the loss of meaning. You know, this is what, one reason I think we have such high uh, suicidal rates now is because nothing is true. Nothing means anything. Okay? Nothing. Nothing. And the things that are given meaning are ridiculous. Okay? Like, for instance, race. It's ridiculous. Why are we arguing about race? Race doesn't make a difference. Nothing. Nothing. It's the, the merit inside of each of us. It is what you do with your life. Everything that is given power today is meaningless. And it's all part of that woke culture. Last year, and I can't I got to take this, and I'm only going to address this once. Last year, the M&M spokes candies. There's no such thing as a spokes candy. Got a refreshed look to reflect today's society. I don't know about you, but as I'm getting ready to watch a movie and I see the M&M guys, you know, strapped to that rocket about to go off. All I'm thinking is, can we stop with this stupid commercial? I've got my box of M&Ms. I want to watch the movie. I don't ever really fear for their life, but maybe that's me. Yesterday, the M&M brand continues, quote, to evolve to reflect a more dynamic, progressive world that we live in. Now, our lives were destroyed by, you know, the women, you know, the womanly uh, green M&M. And our life has been made much richer when she became non-binary. I don't know about you. Yesterday. The Eminem Mars company made a statement announcing an indefinite pause on their spokes candies because they realized that even a candy shoe can be polarizing, which is the last thing Eminem's wanted because they were just trying to bring people together. Really? So their new spokesperson is Maya Rudolph, who spent three years on Saturday Night Live. You can find her funny or not find her funny, you know, whatever company says they chose her because they want to make things fun again and she's still inclusive really is she because here's the problem you could have jesus but the minute jesus comes down and your your candy company says say these lines and they're woke lines you know a lot of people are going to be turned off by that so you really stop being inclusive Name one figure that is inclusive right now that's not polarizing to at least half the country. Okay? The reason why? Because you have to play the game. If you're going to work for these companies, you have to have the right words, acronyms, slogans, you know, race. This is inherently non-inclusive, but I digress. So they're making this statement, and what a surprise, right before the Super Bowl. And companies are learning that, you know, go, go woke, go broke. We're tired of companies trying to do more than what we're asking them to do. When it comes to M&Ms, here's what I want you to do. Make a yummy chocolate candy. I don't even care if it melts in my hand because I got past that lie of yours when I was about seven. They do melt in my hand, but they're yummy. You and your stupid spokes candy make no difference in my life or the life of anyone in the world. Your candy might, but the spokes candy doesn't. No one ever anywhere 
in all of time will say, you know, I was a once a little girl who thought I could never make it. But then the candy company put their yellow M&M in comfortable slingback shoes instead of the go-go boots. And I realized I can do it. I am important. It's not going to happen. Now, go woke, go broke also applies to comedy. The new woke, woke Velma. People are surprised this is a disaster. I didn't even have to watch it. I could have told you it was a disaster. This is the HBO Scooby-Doo spinoff, which doesn't even include Scooby-Doo. Shaggy has been replaced by a black man named Norville. Fred is the only white character, so he's evil. He's a privileged misogynist who can't dress or feed himself. Velma is a black Asian, and Daphne is half Asian, half white, and they're both bisexual. Obviously, there's more than one lesbian kissing scene. Another scene features teenage boys kissing, and there's plenty of examples of doinks sexualizing children. So, What happens when you let woke bullies take control of what should be considered funny? See, they do what they always do. They don't write comedy because they don't believe comedy is funny. They believe comedy. You're not supposed to laugh. You're supposed to clap angrily. Yes, finally, they're making out. Yes, that's what their comedy is. Now, I'm not against satire. Laughter is the test of truth. A joke is playful judgment. It conceals the ugliness of the world, and it uncovers the ugliness uh, of the world. And leftists, boy, they are not a group winning many beauty contests lately. This is literally the subplot of one of the Velma episodes. Now, the weird thing is that even the left doesn't like the Velma show. They don't like it. They got making out lesbians and the white guys. But they don't like it. The Telegraph called it the most hated uh, TV series on TV. It has four episodes out. Velma is already already the worst rated TV show in IMDb history. Its audience score is six. But as always. The left isn't taking responsibility for their bad behavior. A review in Forbes said that Velma is so bad, in fact, that it's spawning conspiracy theories that creator Mindy Cowling made what is essentially a parody of what the right wing thinks left comedy is really like. What? What a stupid plan that would be. It's a common tactic. If a woke comedy fails, which it always does, they blame us. Conspiracy theorist. The left loves to whine about the dangers of right wing humor. I don't know if you saw this, but the European Union just released an 18 page report. The European Union. That's a government body, by the way. An 18 page report on how right wing comedy is a weapon. Now, if a conservative or if a comedian just accidentally stumbles on a conservative joke, even by accident. Wait a minute. I didn't mean that. I, I'm, no, I'm, I, I voted for Obama. The left immediately destroys that person. A- 
And that joke, he meant that literally. He meant that when when he was drawing Yosemite Sam and he was shooting, he meant that all people are like Yosemite Sam and they should kill all people that aren't like Yosemite Sam. What are you talking about? The gist of their right wing comedy argument is conservatives shouldn't be allowed to make jokes because their humor is actually a complex. And when they say complex, uh, they mean a mental illness. Literally, it's a mental illness. And all they're doing is calling for violence. Ironically. A Pew study from 2020 proves kind of the opposite. White, I'm quoting White liberals disproportionately suffer from mental illness. And let me tell you, it's not even a competition. Masks, that has become a mental illness. There is, there is no reason to wear a mask. That, that, that fraud has been exposed long ago. Why are you still wearing a mask? You, you have a mental illness at this point. They claim that conservatism is incompatible with political humor and that liberalism suits it quite nicely. They say conservatism supports institutions, which is ridiculous because at this point, the leftists are the institutions. You know, they're like a drunk at a karaoke bar, you know. I can sing that. I'm so much better than you. And singing. I mean, they think they are capable of humor because... As the author of the book about right-wing comedy wrote, liberals are inherently free-thinking. So here's what all of this is really all about. Liberals don't like the fact that you can laugh. But you know what they hated about Ronald Reagan the most? He was happy. He was funny. He was normal. They hated that. Hated that. He makes jokes. Oh, my gosh. They hate that you can have fun without them, that you can be successful without them. They hate what makes you happy. They hate what gives you meaning in life. They hate what would give them meaning in life. They really hate that we can laugh about ourselves. They don't do a lot of laughing. I don't know if you've known that. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen many of them really laugh. I've seen them Ha, 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 that's right. You stick it to him. I've seen that a lot. Lorne Michaels, the creator of Saturday Night Live, he said in an interview, the reason why SNL tends to roast conservatives more than liberals is, quote, Republicans are easier than Democrats. Democrats tend to take it personally. Republicans think it's funny. There is nothing funnier to me than someone wrecking me. You'll hear that a lot on the show. I pay these guys a lot of money. If it bothered me, it would stop. Would it not stop, Stu? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I built my career right. on making fun of you. Exactly right. And who encourages it more than anybody else? You do. Exactly right. Mm -hmm. If you can't laugh at yourself, then, you know, what? Who are you? Who do you think you are? The M&M Mars Company? <laughs> With their dopey spokes candy? That's important. That's, that's, that's really important. You know, so we're going to give them a message of hope and inspiration and fun. See, conservatives 
think that their sincerity on their spokes candy is funny. They don't get the joke. Unless you live under a rock, you probably have a cell phone and a cell phone carrier, and you are also probably paying way too much for your service, not to mention the fact that you're one with one of those big companies like Verizon or AT&T, and you're sending money to corporations who turn around and donate to leftist causes. Patriot Mobile is now offering service with all three major networks, which means you're going to be with the same three if you want to be. They don't have to do it this way, but if you want to be, uh, you like their service, but you hate their values. You can access their service without the values. You're going to pay a much uh, lower cost, which, gosh darn it, that will hurt them on their charitable giving. This also comes with a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, switch among all three major carriers for free. Now, if you want to get rid of them entirely, you're going to save a buttload of money and you're going to join a company that shares your values and will not uh, stand up, say, oh, shout your abortion. 100% U.S.-based customer service team will make switching easy for you today. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. Call them at 878-PATRIOT. That's 878-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Beck and get free activation. It is PatriotMobile.com slash Beck. 878-PATRIOT. The Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glennbeck.com. Hey, some good news. Um, I saw this story uh, yesterday in some science news. Uh, the Earth's inner core uh, looks like it's reversing its direction. And you're like, okay, is that bad? Or we don't even know if the core thing is even. We think that our magnetic field is caused by um, molten uh, metal. That is about 70% as wide as the moon, okay, inside at the core of the earth. And that is kind of, you know, in liquid lava, and it just spins, and that makes our magnetic field. That's the theory. We have no idea. The whole, the earth could be filled with geese. We don't know. So, uh, <laughs> it would be surprising, though. <laughs> it would be it a little geese. more surprising yeah, yeah, if it were geese. But, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Could be. Uh, especially if we're living in the matrix already, Stu. Hmm? So now it looks like 2009, the, the earth's core stopped rotating, you know, just and then it repowered up and started going the other direction. I don't know what that means. And scientists don't know what that means. They're like, we think it could happen Maybe every 70 years, but it might never happen. But it could also be solid or filled with geese. We don't know. <laughs> well, the geese starts, you know, flying in the other direction or swimming in the other direction, whichever one they're doing down there. Right. I mean, that could easily ta- cause a rotation All change. All kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> it, it could be really loud. Geese can be loud oh and annoying. Gosh. Put your ear to the earth today and see if you can't hear. 
You'll hear it. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. You'll hear Aflac eventually. And you will know. That's a duck. That's a duck. Sorry. That's a a duck. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that solid metal that we're all living on that may or may not exist. See, this is where science, you got to follow the science. Okay. You got to follow the science. We know so much about the earth right now. We know what's killing it, what's not killing it, what's stopping the molten core. And even if there is a molten core, we got that down. We got it down. So on something this big that does whatever the hell it wants to, I personally think it'd shake all of us off before we killed it. Maybe that's just me, you know, but it is filled with lava or jelly beans. So if that big earth or that big volcano goes off in Yellowstone, here in Texas, we'd, st- we'd be covered in jelly beans. And wouldn't that be sweet? Could happen. We don't know. We here at the Glenbeck Program, we just follow the science. The Glenbeck Program. Let me tell you about my Patriot Supply. I know I urge you to be prepared just in case of a disaster, and that could be anything. Today, we're having, we're supposed to have snow in Texas. We don't have snow here, okay? Stop with the snow. But the good news is, maybe we have a power outage. Anyway, um, be prepared for whatever is coming. The World Economic Forum yesterday uh, announced that uh, they think the number one problem in the next two years is a global power grid outage oh that would be great go to my patriot supply right now and save 200 dollars on your three-month emergency food kit while you still can at least one kit for each person in your family uh go to mypatriotsupply.com mypatriotsupply.com save 200 dollars on your three-month emergency food kit mypatriotsupply.com You know what's really exciting? In Pakistan, they're trying to save energy, you know, and uh, they can't figure out a way to just go more green quickly. So they had this idea, hey, like in the middle of the night, nobody's using really electricity, you know, who's up? So why don't we just turn the entire country's grid off for a couple hours every night? And so yesterday they did. Problem is, um, when they pushed the start button, uh, it it wouldn't go back on. And I think they unplugged it and plugged it back in, but it wasn't coming back on. We're doing all kinds of great experiments now with electricity and energy. By the way, did you see the, um, what was it, the Norwegian um, cruise lines? They've decided that they're not going to put any electric vehicles on any of their ships. 
You know, they're not going to transport them at all because a fire could break out. That would be really, really, really bad. Oh, man, this green energy thing is really working out for. Oh, by the way, the other uh, thing is we found out yesterday that, you know, the uh, the big windmills, you know, as large as the Statue of Liberty are just starting to collapse for some reason. <coughs> Boy, I hope our government's invested in those companies. (laughs) It's going to be great. There's a new documentary out called Grid Down, Power Up. A guy who has been studying what happens when the world just goes insane on power. Grid Down, Power Up. The producer and director, David Tice, joins us in 60 seconds. Ramon writes in about his wife's experience with Relief Factor. He says, I ordered Relief Factor for my wife, and all I can say is, it really does work. Her pain level has dropped dramatically. She's not only able to get around the house easier, but her pain level is so much more manageable. Thank you for this product. Thank you for talking about Relief Factor. You are more than welcome. Ramon, I'm glad to hear that your wife is feeling better, and I I hope that she just keeps feeling better and better the more she takes Relief Factor. That's the way it is with me. I saw some relief within three weeks, which they say, if you're not seeing anything, you know, that's probably not going to work for you. I saw some. I wrote it off as, I'm just feeling better. Then I stopped taking it, and pain shot through the roof again. I take it now every day. Three-week quick start, 1995. It's a trial pack. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more month after month. It's relieffactor.com or call 800 the number 4 relief. 800 4 relief. relieffactor.com. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. David Glad to have you on. David Tice, he is the uh, director and producer of uh, Grid Down Power Up. Welcome to the program, sir. How are you? So glad to be with you and your listeners, Glenn. I'm yeah. doing great. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm so glad that you have come out with uh, uh, this this documentary because I, I keep asking, um, well, what happens when we get all these magic cars on, uh, you know, the grid? Uh, the grid can't handle that much. We, we, when we get rid of all of the coal that is making all this electricity, what, what's going to happen? Um, and you've looked at these things and looked at the grid itself. Tell me, uh, tell me how much trouble we're in. So what we're doing with this documentary, Glenn, is we're not so much looking at where the power comes from as far as how much wind we have, how much solar, right. you know, all the EVs, et cetera. But the point is our power grid is vulnerable. It's essentially tenuous and it is open for attack. But we, and our military has okay. protected our uh, command control centers, our missile systems, et cetera. But our substations in our neighborhoods, which have these huge transformers, is just completely open to attack. Mm. And if that goes down, we're so reliant on electricity. So this is more along the lines of what we're seeing with these. There was just a report out from the... Um uh, the, from the Pacific Northwest, that neo Nazis are going to be, you know, shooting and trying to bring down the power substations. So we're looking at that kind of attack, and I assume cyber attacks. So this is a very comprehensive documentary. We talk about four major threats. One is a physical attack, like we saw in North Carolina, but or 
in the Pacific Northwest, but it could be a major attack like we had in Metcalf, California, that was covered by 60 Minutes. If nine substations, however, were taken out, there was a FERC report, which is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, that found if nine critical nodes were taken out, it could cause the power to go out nationwide. That's more what we're concerned about in a physical attack vector. So the other three attacks are a EMP attack, which has been talked about at times over decades, which is an electromagnetic pulse attack that would primarily come from a state actor like a China, a Russia, an Iran, and North Korea. Third attack would be a cyber attack that could come from a smaller group or it could come from a state actor. And then the fourth threat we talk about is a geomagnetic disturbance, which is essentially a natural EMP account attack that would come from the sun that could wipe out our transformers and, again, cause a nationwide blackout. Do you go into the uh, geomagnetic field and are are poles drifting so far with this causing real problems with the with the magnetic field, which would make your last scenario very likely. So our documentary is only 56 minutes. Okay. So it, moves, <laughs> it moves fast. Right. And so we, we kind of limit some of the topics that we go into. But we the name of my film company is Paul Revere Films. I'm literally trying to wake up America to the biggest threats. Uh, I'm trying to open a dialogue, you know, which is getting started. It's now being watched by members of the Texas legislature in the Florida legislature. I'm opening it up to congressional committees, chairman of Energy and Commerce Committee, as an example. So I'm trying to, we need to wake up your listeners and viewers because we need some ticked off soccer moms and dads where we say, we are vulnerable, we've got to fix this, and the equipment is out there that can be provided at the front end of our substations so that we can make us less vulnerable. I I will tell you that you you are taking on at least with the EMP and the you know the electro electromagnetic pulse that we could come from the sun as well. Um, you you're barking up a tree. I have been uh, barking at for a long time, and I know I'm sure you've read the book uh, One Second After. Uh, of course. Uh, and that was written. For the same, that was a that was a Paul Revere moment too. The guy who who was trying to get this to Congress said, "We've got to make this into a story that they can digest." There seems to be, for some reason, zero interest in protecting something that, if it goes down, ninety percent of the U.S. population will die in the first year. What is the objection to to? Uh, fixing this and protecting it. So actually there has been some action off and on by U.S. Congress. There's been a couple bills have passed. Donald Trump actually passed an EMP executive order that was codified into law in the National Defense Authorization Act of 2020. But the problem has been just ineptitude, disorganization, Frankly, there's been uh, people that have been completely inept that have not followed through. And so we need more follow through. There still needs to be better uh, 
there needs to be better regulation. Uh, the big issue is we have something called regulatory capture, where essentially our electric utilities are self-governed. And there have been all kinds of examples that we talk about on our website at griddownpowerup.com, where a few times the legislators and our policymakers want to do the right thing and it's just not followed through well enough. What do you think is the most likely of those scenarios and how real do you think this is? So I'd say cyber attack is probably the, the most likely. So Ted Koppel ended up writing a book called Lights Out back in 2005, 2000, uh, actually that was 2015, 2016. And he was concerned about the grid going down for an extended period of time and a number of Americans dying. Jennifer Granholm, who's the current Secretary of Energy under Joe Biden, was on a Sunday morning talk show, and she was asked if our adversaries are in the grid. And she said, yes, they are in the grid, and they could potentially shut it down. Therefore, what we saw with, uh, this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but Southwest Airlines, where Southwest Airlines had all their uh, ability to be able to organize planes and mm-hmm. uh, their people right. for five days. I mean, that happened. You know, I think that could have been essentially a trial run or a uh, warning to our American leadership that we can do this. We can do this for other systems, but they did it for Southwest Airlines. And again, that's not proven. That's some conjecture on my part, but I believe that could be the case. I think it could be the case, too, on what happened with the airlines here just a few weeks ago, where Canada and the United States had to ground all of our planes because we lost our connection to all of the uh, all of the planes to send them emergency alerts and you know hey you're getting close to this plane and they say that was just human error I for one you don't necessarily uh, I don't dismiss that but I I also wonder was the human error that you clicked on this to see porn and it downloaded some sort of a a virus because it 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 was a uh, it was a, a textual. Uh, malfunction with the system and it shut down the entire United States and Canada for several hours. And I think that is also a possibility of something saying we can do this. What are the ramifications of it going down? Can you explain a little bit about what happens to our society? So let's talk about that. There is something called the EMP commission that operated for 17 years and it had some of the strongest scientists in the world that were on that commission. And you mentioned that 90% statistic, which just sounds ridiculous. But you look at the number of people that died in our Texas snowmageddon, that was 250 or so. We're talking about a number that would be a million times bigger than that, 250 million people. Now, it sounds ridiculous, but let's talk about how we get there. Our municipal water systems and our wastewater systems are completely dependent upon the power grid. I visited a municipal water system that serves Highland Park in Dallas and talked to the uh, head guy there, and he said, uh, we have no backup. We have, we're dependent upon the grid. We thought about 
some backup transform, some backup uh, generators in the past, and <laughs> it would cost us a few million dollars, and so we dispensed with that idea. We saw in Houston, Texas, 2.2 million people uh, for 36 hours had boil water orders because there was an electricity right. problem. This ended up being an internal uh, generator in their case, which is not exactly apples to apples, but we are dependent upon water. You look at cholera and what can break out if our wastewater systems don't work. You look at the food supply, there's no more Uber Eats. There's our there's stores no, will be there's nothing. There, there's after. no there's no refrigeration. Everything goes bad within a week or two. Everything. And it essentially does turn into zombie apocalypse, unfortunately, right. because our National Guard isn't going to be there. You think about uh the, the two steps are, if it's nationwide, it's one thing if power goes out in Louisiana because we're there in Arkansas and Texas and can right. supply. It's, but if it's nationwide, we, we essentially don't have that. We'd be counting on France to send, us, to send us food and water. If our water systems go out, human beings die after three days without water. And therefore, that obviously is an issue. And then you look at an extended period of time. If it's three days, yes, it's bad. If it's three weeks, all hell breaks. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at um, look at what happened with Katrina. I mean, you have 72 hours to get to some sort of stable safety. After that, in three days, when no help has arrived within three days, society goes to hell. Um, and it just uh, takes on a, a whole new atmosphere, uh, as we saw with Katrina. That is that's that's normal uh, to have that. The other thing that um, is shocking to think about is how many people are alive today that shouldn't be alive. They're taking heart medicine. Uh, they're they have insulin. Uh, the psychiatric drugs. In 30 days, you begin to have a whole new problem on your hand. Uh, and it is, it's all caused by an outage of our power. You really want to cripple America? Forget about the financial sector. Just hit the electric. If you hit our, our uh, electricity power grid, we're done as a nation. We're done. And it, it's uh, not good. Um, by the way, when you look at the ones that are sabotaged and people shooting into them, we don't have those, you know, replacement parts just kind of hanging out. You have to make them, right? Exactly. So we talk in the film about uh, transformers and especially our highest volume transformers. These weigh hundreds of tons, and most of those are made Shorter. in South Korea and, and Germany, mm. and there can be a long lead line for lead time for those, and therefore there's huge risk of uh, if they are taken out. And you look at our substations, you can walk around your suburban neighborhood, and you could see them being protected yeah. by chain link. Fences. I know, I know. <laughs> 
David, thank you for what you've done. The name of the uh, uh, of the documentary is Grid Down Power Up. You can find it at Grid Down Power Up. Find out all the information. Um, I urge you to uh, pay attention to this. Everything electricity is really important. Uh, David uh, understands what is what the consequences are of us not protecting it. This is should be a bipartisan and uniting issue because we all die if they don't have this protected. Thank you so much. David Tice, GridDownPowerUp.com. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Okay, so here's a fun fact that'll keep you awake at night. If you're one of the people it applies to, uh, I guess the average American's credit card. If you have credit cards, what's your percentage rate? Your average, it's 21% now. 21 these people are trying to compete with the federal government on on how much to rip you off with. I mean, 21%, you'll never pay that off. You'll never pay that off. American financing is saving people just like you an average of $700 a month and paying that debt off so you can reduce your interest rate from 21% to like 5%. By the way, Mortgage rates are down the lowest that they've been in 18 months right now. Call American Financing today. Their salary-based mortgage consultants can help guide you through the process of creating a custom loan that will align with your financial goals. They are upfront. They're people you can trust. You start today by calling American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. By the way, thank you so much for uh, listening, and also thank you for subscribing uh, to my YouTube page, uh, youtube.com slash Glenn Beck. It is important that we keep that. We just passed a million uh, uh, subs. We didn't pay attention to YouTube for a long time. I was starting the blaze, and we didn't think that it was good to compete against ourselves. I think we were wrong on that. Um, YouTube is the biggest platform out there, and there are things that we don't put up on YouTube. There are things that we do put up on YouTube. I know what the rules are, but it is good to be able to have that out there. Once we passed a million, the algorithms are supposed to change, and it begins to dogpile a bit. So if you can go to YouTube.com slash Glenn Beck and subscribe, it Let's this message get out to a much wider uh, group of people. So um, please subscribe uh, and uh, and like and rate and review. Okay, Oof. let me go to a let me go to a, a problem closer to home. By the way, the power grid thing is so important, and and I think I'd like to get. I thought he was going to talk about you know the problems that we're going to have with the power grid. Just because it's just completely outdated for what we're going to have to have with all of this electricity, um, mm. it, it's it's going to go down and the rolling blackouts and everything else. And th- those are deadly, deadly to a society and economy and, and everything else. But uh, we start having people start to shoot our substations. It goes dark quickly and you don't bring that back up quickly. It's not like a telephone pole. Uh, We're going to try to look at something a little closer to home, even though that one you should be calling Congress and your senators about. This one is 
about your kids and who do you trust do you trust the teachers how about the counselors the glenn back program well, it's a new year, new you, right around the corner. Genucell has some pretty exciting news as they're going with their latest skincare innovation, the Microbiome Moisturizer. Yes, it's got the power of probiotics, and that means that it helps target skin redness, pesky wrinkles and fine lines, patchy blotches, and other visible signs of premature aging that you don't need. And yes, I'm talking about the same kind of probiotics that you can find in things like yogurt. These super ingredients have the same nourishing benefits and goodness for your skin. Probiotics uh, extracts target bad bacteria and restore balance to your skin's protective barrier, creating a shield around uh, your skin from all signs of visible aging. And now, with every GenuCell most popular package, they've got this uh, moisturizer as a gift with each order. GenuCell's most popular package is 70% off, and it includes products you'll need for all your skincare needs, including those under eye bags and puffiness you can treat yourself to the best skincare in the world for a look that you'll love go to jennycell.com slash beck and get your probiotic moisturizer today enter the code beck at checkout for an extra 10 percent off your entire purchase it's jennycell.com slash beck g-e-n-u-c-e-l.com slash beck and subscribe to blazetv.com slash glenn the promo code is glenn you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription to blaze tv Something truly unprecedented happened uh, yesterday, unprecedented in the history of the Catholic Church. No English-speaking news outlets have discussed what happened yesterday. We have already talked about it, and I'm going to be spending a full hour tomorrow discussing Pope Benedict's new book. Uh, It was issued after his death intentionally because he knew it would cause a firestorm. Uh, He talks about a civil war in the church, uh, homosexual parties at seminaries. You have not seen anything like this uh, come from a pope ever in the history of uh, the papacy. And um, the coming civil war that he talks about is already there. And we're going to talk to a Catholic expert on this tomorrow. This is happening i'm covering this not because of just the catholics but because this is happening i believe in all of our churches they are they they are being hijacked from the inside and uh we all need to learn from that that is on tomorrow's broadcast you don't want to you don't want to miss it um you know i've been uh, talking to you about uh struggles in my own family and uh with my children and and schools and 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 social media and all of this stuff and uh, I was with a, uh, a counselor for my children recently, and I didn't even know if I could trust them, you know. Uh, and so I just asked some really frank questions. Uh, how many how many genders are there? Uh, and I just wanted to gauge. Should I even have this person, you know, as a psychologist looking and listening and talking to my children at all? Or are they? Are they, have they joined the madness bandwagon as well? What we don't think about, we think about our teachers. We don't think about our counselors. Alvin Louie is the, um, the president of Courage is a Habit. He's a guy who got out of uh, California just in time, only to move his family to the Midwest and realize, 
oh, crap, it's happening here, too. Welcome to the program, Alvin. How are you? I'm doing good, Glenn. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So um, I wanted you on because I wanted to talk about a couple of things. Courage, which is um, your philosophy on it is just spot on. But um, also you're talking about the school counselors are perhaps even more trouble or just an invisible trouble that we don't we don't really see. You're absolutely right. And they're not invisible as much as they're just hiding in plain sight. Because you see, the uh, parents believe that these school counselors and social workers are just like the guidance counselors of the past that they grew up with, help you with academics, maybe talk to you a little bit if there's something bothering you, but they really bring the parents in if there's something uh, serious. But that ship's long sailed. And so the school counselors and the social workers today are the largest purveyors of the transgender cult and of critical race theory. They uh, are more dangerous than the teachers and even the school board members because they control the culture of the entire school. Mm. And they're the ones that's in the back wagging their fingers, talking about the pronouns and the debt naming and all those things. And so they come from an organization called uh, the American School Counselor Association or ASCA, A-S-C-A for short. And that they, they, they deal, they uh, do all the missions, all the objectives and trainings for all counselors uh, from K through 12. They have a chapter in all 50 states. Do you have, if you're a school counselor, do you have to belong to that organization? You do not. You don't have okay. to join. It's a private organization, it's, which is, which is where, the, where the real deviousness comes in, Glenn, because this is a private company impacting public education mm. where the parents have no, they can't say, can I, I'm going to FOIA, I'm going to, uh, uh, for those of you who know, it's a the record request, open record request, to say, let me see what your, what your counselors are being trained under with ASCA. The schools will go, that's got nothing to do with us. And so what we, because of this private public scam there, what we did last summer was uh, our team went to their uh, annual conference, ASCA's, the American School Council Association. They had an annual conference in July of last year. And we grabbed as many, as many of the videos, PowerPoints, training materials. Since then, we've also went to their webinars, uh, their certifications. What, what did you find? What, we found exactly what uh, we, we knew that we knew for them to be, which is they're huge in the transgender ideology. Uh, they are all about uh, keeping secrets from parents. They train them to keep secret. They train the counselors on how to gaslight parents, how to move the go posts. And largely, Courage is a Habit, if, everybody, if anybody goes to courageisahabit.org, we have a whole series there called Behind Closed Doors. And it's our campaign to expose them in their own natural habitat. We're not making it up. We're not editing it. We're not putting cobbling things together. We're literally just showing their training materials and videos in their own natural habitat. And then we give, most importantly, we give parents uh, tools on how to fight back, opt-out forms, uh, how to move around the gaslighting, how to ask the right questions, um, you know, how to put some pressure back so that they're not just sitting there getting, well, what's the matter? You don't like inclusion? What's the matter? You don't, you don't like diversity? And, and all those gaslighting things. So I was looking at your uh, guide to defending your child, and, uh, you know, you, you have 
what is it, eight questions, I think? Uh, yeah, 10, ten questions, 10 different questions uh, that parents should ask. And right. uh, I mean, they're so common sense, but I, you know, it's so weird because I am so informed on some things, but then I go out into the real world. I have no idea how to do any of you know you know you just don't you were raised to think uh and your model as a parent were your parents and if you know if you think you're unequipped they were wildly unequipped for what's <laughs> happening right now and you just don't know so i appreciate this but there are questions like do you use in-class surveys to collect data on students that is so important can you explain why the data mining uh, that they do on your children is how they justify more radical ideology. So when a parent goes in and says, hey, why are you doing this? Why are you pushing this? This has nothing to do with academics. What they will often hear is the school telling them this is evidence-based. This is data-driven. Research shows. And the parents are going, oh, okay, I guess. They have no idea where that's coming from, and the schools don't tell them. What they mean is these surveys that they're getting on your kids. Now, the mistake that parents make is they go, well, let me see the questions. It doesn't matter, Glenn. It doesn't matter what the questions are. It matters how they interpret the data. Right. So, for example, if they ask a child, how often do you have dinner at home with your parents uh, during the week? They go, it's pretty innocuous. But they know that if a child says one or zero, they're more vulnerable to be moved into certain things like the transgender ideology. And this or is what you, I, I learned from you and your organization. This is what's really happening. We're be, our kids are being put into two categories, a safe category or a vulnerable category, right? It's a judgment right. on us, the parents. Right. And so the school counselors, they're redefining two terms because if you redefine words, you don't have to change the laws. And so the two terms that they're redefining, the school counselors and the social workers, are safe and abuse. So up to this point, everybody knows what an unsafe environment means for a child. But they've now redefined and expanded that term to say, if you don't succumb to the transgender delusion, if you don't call them by the pronouns, you're unsafe, you're abusive, you, the parents. Then once they get the parents to that, they move the go post and go, well, if you don't, if you don't agree with the breast binders or tucking, now you're unsafe and then you're abusive. They're going to kill themselves. And then they keep moving them until and then the child gets on that train uh, to, to, to uh, puberty blockers and then, uh, of course, the surgeries. And so one of the things that I, we say very often is they're not really brainwashing the kids first. They brainwash the parents first. Because if you don't brainwash the parents, every, ch every parent knows how to defend their child. I mean, we've been doing this since the beginning of time. Parents have crossed oceans and deserts to defend their children. So why can't parents do it today? And one of the things that they do very well is language contamination. So, for example, you can say, if I tell you, Glenn, hey, I'm teaching my child empathy. Well, even though you and I just met, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But that's mm -hmm. not what they mean. When they talk about empathy, they mean training girls from a very young age so that when a man showers next to them, they better have empathy. So the question I want to leave your listeners or parents Jeez. is that every time they tell you we're just doing X, I want you to ask this one question. Through whose lens are you teaching that? Because that lens matters because, because traits are not good or bad. It depends on who's using them. For example, a, a serial killer, you can say he's great at goal setting. You and I and everybody else all talk about set goals. But what, a serial killer, he sets goals. Sometimes he exceeds his goals. But we don't say he sets goals. He's a good goal setter. Because traits 
are not good or bad. It depends on who's teaching it. And today, with these counselors and, and, and woke school teachers, they're not mm. teaching those values the same thing that you think they are. And that's how they're getting parents. Uh, that's how they're fooling parents is through language contamination. Alvin Louis, uh, um, I'd love to have you back on, uh, Alvin, because, uh, again, your your organization is Courage is a Habit. You can go to courageisahabit.org. Um, but I courage is what is absolutely needed right now. It is not only a habit, it is contagious. Uh, and right. uh, we need to exercise this muscle and uh, more of us need to be courageous. And it's not that hard once you start. Um, but so I'd love to have right. you back on and talk about courage. If you uh, if you would join me again. I would be honored to be back. And I invite everyone to visit courageishabit.org. Support us. Everything, every every support comes right back to our work, and we provide these tools for the average parent because we know the average parent don't have fifty hours a yep, week. They don't dig through all these things, and, and yep. that's what we do for you, and, and and that's hopefully that's what we do for, for the average parent. Thank you so much, Alvin. Alvin, um, Alvin, uh, Louis. Courage is a habit. Dot org. Our sponsor is Preborn, and every day, the Ministry of Preborn saves 150 babies' lives. Think about that for a second. 150 people will be here tomorrow on this earth because of what one organization is doing, and 150 the next day, and the day after that. It's a global warming nightmare. If that's not something you'd be proud to be a part of, I don't know what is, honestly. Saving the unborn I cannot think of something that would would be more worthy of God's protection than saving the unborn, saving the children in slavery, saving his children, no matter what that means. There are states out there proposing legislation to allow abortions even after birth. It's gone nuts. Preborn provides free ultrasounds to mothers considering abortion. Once a mother hears the heartbeat, the majority of the time she chooses life. Preborn is completely dependent on you, the pro-life community. And we and I would like to ask you uh, to help them. We can make a difference. For $28, the cost of a dinner, you can rescue a baby's life. Or $140 sponsors five ultrasounds. 100% of your donation will go towards saving babies' lives. Tanya and I have purchased a couple of machines. Now we just need you to help pay for the actual test, the person that's running it. And that can happen at any $28 is one ultrasound. Can you help? Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. It's pound 250, keyword baby, or donate securely at preborn.com slash Beck. Preborn.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We're glad you're here. May I just point out how bizarre our life has become. If I would have done just this hour 25 years ago, it would have been War of the Worlds. I started with the power grid going down, something we never really considered except in nuclear war 25 years ago. And 
it could happen today. We're in a proxy war with Russia. They have warned us. They have also told us that the next war, World War Three, will be fought in ones and zeros. And we know they've already and China have infiltrated our grid. It could happen tomorrow. We also know people are attacking it by shooting our substations. Those are not replaced easy. Then the very next subject was what? School counselors who are being taught to lie and gaslight parents of their children and uh, push them towards this uh, gender re-identification program. If I, saw that, if I said that and you believed it, people would be out in the streets 25 years ago. But we've all gone a little numb. They've overwhelmed the system. That's not even talking about the other things that we said, you know, for Blaze TV subscribers this hour, which was a story on chat GPS, GPT or GPT, where you can't tell the difference between truth and fiction because it's feeding on itself. And it's passing all kinds of tests, you know, it can do anything. It can write news stories and will be writing news stories. Stu did a show last night where it wrote your monologue, did it not? Yeah, every word of the monologue. I didn't reveal that at the beginning. I just did the monologue, and it was about chat GPT and the negative effects that could come from it and what conservatives have to say about it and all this. And I had chat GPT write the entire thing at the end of the monologue said, by the way, that, that previous monologue was completely written by chat GPT. And like, while... It's not like 100%. It'll look clunky in a couple spots. It even writes the jokes. It even writes jokes about Joe Biden in the middle of the monologue. And I mean, it's bizarre. And you're te- like, there are plenty of people out there already exploiting this. They're oh. go- we're going to come to a place where this stuff is just churning out news all the time that people are consuming. One of the examples I used in this monologue was I had them write an article about me just to see what it would say. Mm-hmm. And it wrote an article saying that I worked for Rush Limbaugh, which I didn't. It said, it wrote, said that I wrote, for, I wrote for the Daily Caller, which I didn't. I never have. Uh, it said that joined I joined me. the Glenn Beck program in 2007, which was not even close to the date yeah. I started. And it's like, all these were just errors. Not, not nefarious errors, but just errors. And errors that would be pushed into the public. And then, as ChatGPT learns from the internet... And learns from these same sources that will eventually be using ChatGPT. These things will be reinforced, and you will not be able to tell what is you real and what is not. Isn't. Have truth. You will not have access to the truth. Uh, our next implosion of trust is personal, interpersonal relationship trust. Do everything you can to strengthen the trust and honesty with every person in your life. The Glenn Beck Program.
Well, hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. There are a few people that are saying that the World Economic Forum is over, that it's lost all credibility, that it's running for its life. I don't believe that at all. I do believe it's been exposed when it didn't expect to be exposed. They they just expected that anybody who was called a conspiracy theorist would just run and hide when we didn't and when you didn't, when people like Carol Roth didn't and Russell Brand didn't. Well, they had a problem, but that's not meaning they're going away. They're just going to go back undercover and the world that they are planning is quite terrifying. I'm going to give you a story this uh, this half hour about what's happening right now in Scotland that is directly from the World Economic Forum that will come here. Also, how ESG is driving our inflation. Carol Roth, uh, the author of The War on Small Business, has a new book coming out that I'll let her talk about that just the title alone will tell you everything you need to know uh she is on esg and the world economic forum and what it actually means to you we talk to her in 60 seconds here's a nice thought what if you didn't have to worry 24 7 about you know some cyber criminal finding and stealing your information online i mean last hour we talked about uh the electrical grid and the stress it's under plus the cyber attacks that have been promised and how easy it's lights out for us. I mean, really, take Stu's information all day long, please. Just don't knock out the power grid, please. Uh, here's the thing. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. All of us are going to be affected by this. LifeLock is the best in the business to, with preventative measures and the access to a, uh, a LifeLock restoration team that works to end it and get your information back and your good name. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can help protect what's yours with LifeLock by Norton. Join now, use the promo code BECK and save 25% off your first year. 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK. Again, lifelock.com, promo code BECK. lifelock.com or 1-800-LIFELOCK. Well, Carol, it's a new year. A new you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just making sure that my private jet's doing okay because, oh. you know, there was a climate crisis. So I know. obviously it was very important for me to take my private jet to go talk about the climate crisis and then have steak dinners while I tell everybody that meat is bad. So, you know, it, just trying to get that all together. It, it is so crazy. By the way, did you hear today? Let me see. It was just approved. Uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It was yeah, the European Union has just approved cricket powder as Amazing. a component of flour based foods. Amazing. Yeah, it's Amazing. great. Sounds sounds tasty. I'm yeah, looking, looking yeah. very forward to that. I unfortunately have a deep allergy to crickets, so I can't <laughs> have anything with crickets in it. It's too bad, but. We're all gonna we're all gonna develop a, a cricket allergy. It's part of our poly crisis. I yes, think. and I want to play this clip. This is from the World Economic Forum last week. Listen, what to this. is a poly crisis, and how and when could it happen? We're actually in the midst of one at the moment. We have an energy crisis and food crisis, um, and a technology downturn that are all happening at the same time. 
It's the set of concurrent cascading risks that happen at the same time. So that's where we are today. That's 2023. What we're seeing, though, is that in the two-year time frame and the 10-year time frame, we're at a risk of more of these polycrises unfolding. Two years out, there's still a concern among the experts that we surveyed that cost of living is going to be number one, but at the same time, a big risk of natural disasters. Ten years out, it's all about climate. All natural disasters, nothing else but natural disasters. <laughs> it, it, she doesn't seem to find any irony in the fact that we're in an energy crisis and a food crisis and a trust crisis when all of those come directly from the policies of the World Economic Forum. Yeah, it, it, first of all, I have to say it sounds more regal if you say it with sort of like a British accent. A poly crisis yes. sounds much more ter- <laughs> right. terrifying, so I think we uh-huh. should do that. But it is. It's it's so ironic um, that they're sitting here and they're talking about the inflation. They're talking about the energy issues. They're talking about the mistrust and disinformation that came from the policies that stemmed from global governments and the World Economic Forum. I mean, they are the ones that shut down and said we need to have this wonderful great reset. They're the ones, the central banks around the world that printed trillions of dollars. They're the ones that moved away from traditional energy because of the push from the World Economic Forum. So they've caused these crises, all of them, Mm -hmm. except for this global client emergency that clearly nobody's paying enough attention to. So we now have to add it to our poly crisis or have Al Gore go on an unhinged rant to make it extra special. Can you give direct correlation to our inflation from ESG? 100%. If you think about what inflation looks like, a large percentage of that was gas, but some of that was shipping costs related to the cost of gas. And then, you know, fossil fuels have 6,000 derivative products that all went up in price because of the cost. And the cost went up because we didn't have enough supply and we didn't have enough supply because of ESG policies. ESG policies directed capital away from investments in fossil fuel to the extent that Saudi Arabia and OPEC says that we're underinvested by like $12.1 trillion over the next coming decades. So by doing that, by, by ensuring that companies who make the investments in drilling and processing for fossil fuels couldn't do that, they are directly attributable to the increase in prices as well as, you know, the obvious direct correlation to the increased energy. Prices. So here is something that is you're hearing and you're just hearing the setup uh, right now that the Republicans are going to be so dangerous on this debt ceiling <laughs> and we are just going to default on all of our debts and uh, <laughs> we will have no credibility. We have no credibility now. But we're not going to default on our debts. Um, yeah. But they are talking about the debt ceiling. Why should the average person care about this? So the reality is we shouldn't care about the debt ceiling. We should care about spending. I mean, the debt ceiling is just saying that we cannot finance our overspending with debt anymore. But they don't do that at the same time that they pass the bills. They do it after the fact. So they've already spent the money and you have to pay for it. Short term, we're not going to default on on our debt. It's just stupid. We have plenty of assets that we could lease or we could sell if we got into a pickle or things that could be rejiggered around. But in the medium to long term, the 
spending is unsustainable. And so if you overspend and you have a deficit, there are only so many ways to find it. And we're probably not selling off all our assets at this point in time. So that means you're going to finance it with debt. And it's just going to become bigger and bigger to the point that it becomes unsustainable from a tax standpoint, from a money printing and erosion of your uh, wealth and value standpoint. And so that's really the area that this this whole debt thing is kind of like the sideshow at the circus. We need to be focusing on the main act and that is the spending. And I've said this before, Glenn, if we just rolled back like five years, if we went back to 2018 spending, which, you know, two years before the pandemic or even the year before the pandemic, we would be running a surplus. We could be paying down debt or 2019, we would be about breaking even. So it's not like we have to change that much to get this under control. And they refuse to do it. Okay. Um, There was a call last week for a windfall tax on food companies. I've never heard anything more dangerous and stupid than that. So there is a legendary investor named Charlie Munger. He is Warren Buffett's uh, partner in Uh Berkshire Hathaway, one of the best. And he has this famous saying that says, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. The reality is that taxes influence behavior. And if you don't want something, you tax it. That's what you do, right? Show me the incentive. A tax on SUVs. Right. A a tax on, you know, sin products, cigarettes, alcohol. We don't want them. We tax those things. And oh, by the way, the things that we want, we get tax credits, right? All of this, these green Marriage, kids, all of it. (laughs) So here's what you're saying. We're going to tax food. It is saying we do not want you to produce food. Who says that other than utterly nefarious and crazy people who want people to starve? It is utter insanity. And the fact that people are like, oh, yeah, you know, that that makes a lot of sense. We should definitely put a tax on food is, I mean, like, I mean first of all, that, that it does not hurt anybody at Davos, but it hurts the very poorest among us in the world. And I'm not even talking about America. I mean, the poor of the poor. And they're already in a food shortage. These people are so anti-human. They do want people to starve. They they also, uh, you know, uh, said that they are raising, I think it's three trillion dollars privately and with the help of uh, governments to buy uh, farmland, to buy up 30 percent of the land eventually 50 percent on the entire planet yeah and they're talking about 30 percent by the end of this decade and they're going to do it with fundraising i mean the guy who was talking about it was uh was uh, john Kerry. i mean it's it's insanity they when will people understand they mean you will own nothing (laughs) Um, perhaps when they read my next book, uh, which you have been instrumental in helping shape, um, which ironically is called, you will own nothing and connect the dots between all of these things that they're saying and the destruction of our property rights and freedom. I mean, when they come out and say, 
oh, you know, we you owe nothing. That that's a right wing conspiracy. It's not. It was on their website in an article in 2016, which now they I think they have pulled. So yeah, they have. Machine. They have. We, we can go use the Wayback Machine to mm-hmm. resource it. Then they made a video that they put their logo on that it was their first prediction. So they're predicting the end of private property. This is not a coincidence. And by the way, it's not like a cute little Jetson fantasy. It's not Rosie the Robot folding your laundry. Like these are scary things that they're going, oh, this is going to be great for you. This is not great. And so going through all the different things that we've been talking about, ESG, the purchase of land by private individuals, it is scary how much has been purchased by a small group of people. And as you said, the government is now paying to take some of that farm land out of commission. Um, there are reasons for this. There there are sort of um, empire cycle reasons for this. And there is a jockeying of the elite to put themselves in what, position to rule everything. What do you mean an empire building process? What do you mean? End of empire. So basically, you know, we are where the Romans were at one point in time, where the yeah. British were, where the Dutch were. Yeah. And there is this sort of disconnect between high debt loads and power. And when we're in a high debt load situation like the U.S. is and frankly, a, a number of other countries, the people in charge get desperate and they start doing desperate things. Ne- they never cut back on services. They never try to salvage it. They just kind of run straight into that cliff. And it's happened many, many times in history. And we're moving in that direction. The elites see this. So all these things that we're seeing is basically them trying to reshape the outcome and put themselves up on top by having you own nothing. Uh, I'm going to go back to owning nothing. And the what that does to a nation that was built around ownership. That is a total reversal of the basic foundation of America and most of the Western world now. More with Carol Roth. Uh, I'm sure you can. Can you order the uh, the book yet? No, but you can sign up for more information at carolroth.com slash Glenn, and okay. we'll let you know. All right. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good book. I, I have seen the outlines, and, the, and it's really, she's good. All right. Donald wrote in about his dog's experience with Rough Greens. Uh, he says, I've never seen my dog lick the bowl clean. I mean, she's licking the bowl clean all the time now because she's looking for any remaining traces of Rough Greens. Uh, my dog does that, too. And I'm like, dude, it's not soaking into the metal. It's <laughs> You're done. You're done. And man, lick and lick and lick and lick. You really need to check out what Rough Greens can do. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement developed by naturopathic doctor uh, Dennis Black. You sprinkle it on the dog's food and it's chock full of vitamins, minerals, probiotics, antioxidants. You name it. If it's healthy for your dog, it's probably in Rough Greens. I want you to see the special deal where you can get the first bag free. It's just a trial bag that you can just test to make sure your dog likes it. They don't want you paying for anything if your dog doesn't like it. But if your dog likes it, then start on Rough Greens and feed Rough Greens. Put it on the food every single day, twice a day. And over the months, you're going to see a huge difference in your dog. At least I have. And so is everybody here that has tried it. The first trial bag is free. You just pay for shipping at roughgreens, R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash Beck. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck. Or you can call 833-GLEN-33, 833-G-L-E-N-N-33, roughgreens.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. 
So what does this mean, Carol, um, the the idea that you will own nothing in a country that's whole identity and whole theory is that you can become uh, wealthy. You can change your station by even land ownership. Just being able to own something and call it yours is fundamental to the American experiment. What does that do to us? I mean, if you own nothing, then the powers that be own you. I mean, it completely changes everything. It crushes the American dream. Um, and it makes basically it makes people indentured servants to the government and you know, to, to some extent to big tech as well. I mean, that's really if you think about all of these things that are being put out there, they sort of want to take your life and rent it back to you, whether it be through a terms of service or through, you know, dependence on the government. But that is the goal is that they want that interdependence. They want you to not have freedom, not to have agency, not to make your own choice. They want to control everything you do. And it's coming, you know, from a wealth standpoint, it's coming from a technology standpoint, it's coming from a cultural standpoint, social credit. Um, so, you know, really, this is a this is a war. And this is one that you're going to have to fight on multiple fronts. And at the end of the day, we need people to own everything. We need you to have that ownership so that you can fight back and not be at their whim and not be an indentured servant to the slates, to big technology, to big business and to the global elite. If we don't stop the regulatory state, the unelected officials from just being able to introduce new rules on things, if we don't stop that, you you won't own anything because they will make it so onerous that there's no way you could afford to own it. They don't have to take it if you're so broke that there's nothing else you can do but sell it. Yeah, you know, it used to be that when they were looking for riches, they would go out and they would invade another land and they would take those riches. And obviously that's, you know, somewhat politically unpopular. But forever, for whatever reason, this legal plunder, the idea that they're stealing our wealth um, and doing it in a legal way because they're passing the rules and the regulations that we have to deal with somehow is more palatable to people. And well, that, it shouldn't be. This well, is your wealth. That's that's the sheriff of Nottingham story. I mean, all the king did was just say, hey, what's yours is now mine. Right. Go, sheriff, go out and take it. And he would take it. That's that's Robin Hood. This is the part that they always get wrong. They think Robin Hood worked for the government. No, Robin Hood was against the government because they were doing exactly what they're proposing to do to the entire world now. Yeah. And if you look at just like a case study like Venezuela, who, you know, mid last century was the fourth wealthiest nation in the world. And they use this rhetoric. They said things are unequal and we wanted to make it more fair. So, you know, us in the government, we're going to just nationalize everything. We're going to take it over and you'll be so much better off. And with that, they went from the fourth wealthiest country in the world to, you know, a recent study showed that the median net worth of a person in Venezuela was zero 
literally zero. So that is, you know, a very clear Jeez. case study on how quickly this can happen. And to say, oh, it'll never happen here in America, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe I agree with you, Glenn, but look what just happened over the past few years. Look at the oh. level of compliance look. with these COVID rules and regulations. They took away people's jobs and livelihoods. Of course, they're going to continue down this I path. remember saying in 2008, we stay on this path, we will be Venezuela. Venezuela had just really collapsed. And I realized at the time, and I said it at the time, it took 20 years to take that strong state that was the fourth wealthiest and destroy it. Well, yeah. we are now approaching a 20-year mark where we have been doing it. It's not out of the realm of possibility. In fact, every day we continue down this road, it becomes more likely. All right, her new book coming out soon, You Will Own Nothing. CarolRoth.com slash Glenn will get you all of the information. CarolRoth.com slash Glenn. Carol, talk to you again. The Glenn Back Program. Thanks, Glenn. All right, when the chips are down, the very last thing you want to be thinking uh, to yourself is, oh, crap, guess I should have done that. Chips are down right now, my friend. They are down. The best time to plan for your future was yesterday. But today we'll have to do, and it's much better than tomorrow. Please call Goldline. There is no obligation here, but you should talk to them to see if investing in precious metals is right for you and your family. It could just be in silver, but it's a hedge against inflation. It's a hedge against this insanity that is happening because it's no longer a question of if anymore. It is just really the question of when. And when is beginning to seem like right now. The only thing left to question is why are you not prepared? Please call Goldline, offering a special deal in their gold legal tender bars this week. Everyone purchased, you'll receive 25 silver mind your business bars at no additional cost. It's a great deal. 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. It's time to subscribe to blazetv.com. If you use the promo code Glenn, you'll save 10 bucks off your subscription at blazetv.com slash Glenn. This is the voodoo music. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. By the way, this year's theme has been uh, inspired uh, by Poor Man's Poison. I just, I love their music. Love their music. Uh, check them out. Check them out. By the way, uh, Chris Brady, uh, who has run Glenbeck.com mainly into the ground. No, I'm kidding. That's, that was me. Um, uh, has, has really been the backbone of our archives and everything for so long. He started... I think he was there before you were a part of the show, the second iteration. Yeah, he he was there in what, two two thousand. Yeah, you dumped me. Oh, you dumped I, me. You were like, I got a hotter girl. I gotta go. Best decision I ever made. Yeah, right. Um, but you uh, came begging, please. <laughs> That's anyway. not how I remember those <laughs> conversations exactly. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, he's been around forever. Chris yeah. is, is a great dude and has been around forever. So he's just put out a very timely coloring <laughs> book for your kids. 
Uh, it is uh, Joe Biden hides classified documents. Uh, you can get it now at BidenColoringBooks.com. This is volume one, by the way. Hmm. Um, and it's a coloring book. These are great pages. And, uh, you know, you, you, you have to find the documents uh, that he's hidden, uh, you know, all over, sometimes on his body or, you know, in the picture someplace. Uh, they also... Uh, First, first ever visual illustration I've seen of corn pop, which is not yeah. how I expected him to look. Yeah, yeah, you know, but yeah. that's apparently what he looks like. So, um, uh, so anyway, you you you've, you've got that, and then great moments in Biden history. This is the, uh, and your kids will love coloring this in. This is Joe Biden leaving his house with a shotgun after he just blew three, you know, two holes. No, three holes with a with a double barrel shotgun. He uh, <laughs> he put three holes in the uh, door, you know, uh, coming from that speech where he said, that's what you got to do. You just shoot through the door. No, no, no. And then, of course, uh, the great moments with uh, the top secret Hillary's first kill list is all in. Uh, Joe Biden hides classified documents, the coloring book, because uh, why not? You know, why not? You can find it again. At uh, BidenColoringBooks.com. <laughs> hard to find all those documents. Just like in real life, it seems hard to find all of his documents. Yeah. Yeah, but he cares deeply. He cares so oh, deeply oh. about the process. Oh, so I, deeply. So I was listening to, uh, and again, we do these things for you. We do this things, these things for you, America. So you don't, you don't have to. You don't have to. You, they can't get away with things because we listen and we read the mainstream media. And we look at it so we can find all their nonsense and report it to you so you don't have to digest all of it. But they did a, a report on the Biden missing documents in the day on the daily today, which is the New York Times sort of. Uh, Do we have the New York Times uh, daily podcast? music? I love that because uh, <laughs> right. when you're talking about the daily music. Yeah, so let me interview you about oh. the daily today, because that's the way. It... OK. Joe Biden. Superhero. Document sleuth. Documents have been found everywhere, and he's going in for a rectal exam later this afternoon. Will we find more documents? We talk to expert Zib Zibler on The Daily. Zib. Hello, Glenn. So, uh, I hear you have great things to say about Joe Biden and the documents. I have to pause when you ask questions for no seeming no seemingly good reason on this podcast. Hmm. So what was the strategy of the Biden White House as they went through this process? That's the question. And I think it's an interesting one. So, Zib, I don't have the answer to that. I want you to ask me that because that's what they talked oh, about okay. on the podcast. All right. uh, what was the what? What was it? Yes. What I'm, was the strategy? Yeah. What was the strategy? And what's your name? The host, Michael. My, Michael. <laughs> Michael. It, the White House had a strategy when these documents were first uncovered at the Penn Biden Center, and that strategy is something that I'm. Happy to talk about if you ask me about it. Mm, I'd love you to talk about it. Talk about what? The strategy of Biden and the rollout of the documents. 
The strategy of the rollout. <laughs> the strategy Shh. of the music's playing. We'll end in a second. Okay, it's hot. We're just supposed to sit here and Shh. listen to this really Wait, crappy music. Yes, go. I'll play it again. The strategy of the rollout. This early. is where people are thinking about the question that you're about to answer. Okay, okay, I'll stop. Right. From the New York Times. We're back to the intro again. Shh. This is a little longer than they usually are. Does this end? So the strategy behind the White House documents was something that the White House felt passionately about. They just didn't want to talk to the public about this after finding out about the November 1st batch of documents. And the reason why... More music. That I was trying to finish. No, I want you to think about what you just said there. Okay, so should I, do I set it up Go again? Or do I, no, just... So, their strategy was to make sure the public didn't know about this, and the reason for that was they just didn't want to affect the investigation. <laughs> and, hmm. yeah, I know. I took so it, I took it at face value, too. So what you're saying is they didn't want to infe- in, infect anyone's thinking on the investigation because if they found him to be guilty, they, the White House wanted to make sure that he paid the full price. Thank you. Okay. So I didn't want to talk when there was no music. It would have been weird. So, yes, they, they, the issue was, no, no, they just didn't want the investigation to be uh, tainted. tainted in any way. Right. So they just didn't tell the public at all. And then 68 days or so went by. <laughs> but only 68 days. Only the 68. Right. And the 68 days went by. And then more documents were found. Okay. And... CBS News breaks the story of the first set of documents. And what does the White House do? They only confirm that report, but don't talk about the second batch of documents. Hmm. And that was to, again, protect the, the sanctity of this investigation that now the whole public knew about already. The New York Times breaks down all of the key topics every day with The Daily. So to make sure I'm clear here, I have no skepticism at all. They told me this, I and think, I'm saying it to you. I have I, no, no skepticism, no levels of skepticism. We, why would you? They said it. The Biden White House told it right. to me, and now I'm telling it to everyone else exactly. as if it's the news. As what we do here every day on The Daily from The New York Times. Wait, are we doing another intro? <laughs> oh, no. All right. Car trouble? Let's talk about it. It's always happening when you least expect it. It never happens when it's convenient. It's like, yeah, yeah, I just cashed my paycheck. This is going to be great. I was wondering what I was going to do with that extra, what, $1,500? If your car goes down and it needs, I mean, a major repair, it has something big go wrong, that can screw up everything in your financial plan. That's why you need CarShield. That's why I have CarShield. I have CarShield on my two older trucks. They ran out of warranty actually years ago. And uh, I want to keep driving them. I want to make sure that I don't have to replace them. 
Have you seen the price of a used car now? They have saved me tons of money at CarShield, and they can do the same thing for you. When your car breaks down, you're stuck on the side of the road. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Lock in your price today. Make sure all those major repairs are covered. CarShield. 20% you can save on your plan right now, and you'll always be prepared for the unexpected. It's 800-227-6100, 800-227-6100, or go to carshield.com slash Beck, 800-227-6100, carshield.com slash Beck. Glenn Beck. You're not going to believe this, Stu. I mean, this is how bad the conspiracy theories are getting. This is from the New York Post. George Soros uses donations to media organizations and journalism think tanks to avoid criticism for his liberal activism. (laughs) Okay, listen to this. This is what 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 evidence do they have? This is what they have. Okay, all Mm -hmm. right. Uh, CNN's Christiane Anampour sits on the board of the Center for Public Integrity, a nonprofit investigative journalism group funded by George Soros. Okay. Uh, NBC's Lester Holt, Washington Post salary, uh, Sally Busby, Associated Press uh, editor Julie Pace, Reuters editor-in-chief Alexandra Gal- uh, Galoni, all sit on the board of the uh, member of Committee to Protect Journalists, funded by George Soros. Right. CBS Margaret Brennan, CNN's Fareed Zakaria, serve on the board of the massive, massively influential Council of Foreign Relations, Soros-backed think tank. NBC's chairman, Cesar Conde, uh, is uh, on the Aspen Institute board, a Soros-backed think tank. NPR's president and CEO, John Lanks, uh, Lansing, is connected by the direct funding that George Soros gives to NPR. PolitiFact editor-in-chief, Angie Holan, serves uh, on the board of the Soros-backed international fact-checking network. Uh, you know, And then they throw in these stupid examples, like during a PBS segment, in 2018, Amapur had on Hungary's Minister of Foreign Affairs and used the opportunity to accuse his boss, Prime Minister Orban, of being an anti-Semite for cracking down on George Soros's influence in his country. I mean, they got nothing. They got yeah, nothing. Just, it's just, you know. I mean, like they, they, they even throw this one in. Soros was spending $5 million on the effort to thwart Brett Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination and his accuser, uh, Christine Blasey Ford, the lawyer, Deborah Katz, was the vice chair of the Project and Government Oversight, which is directly funded by George Soros's Open Society Foundation. I mean, they probably all went to Chipotle, too. What kind right. of connections I mean, do you have? You got nothing is, there. This is crazy. Nothing. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. They're saying that that's how they keep a lid on all of his nefarious things. And I think that's, that is part of it. I think the other part of it is they all agree. And all want the same I things, think so too. and then therefore tilt their their coverage that way. Yeah, right? they see Both him things. as a force for good. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could see. Well, a lot of people saw the evil emperor in Star Wars as the as the good guy. Oh, yeah, he did that big him. speech. You know, yeah, where he's saying, you know, for the the good of of the empire, they needed to suspend a couple of rules. The like, go- I mean, really, you know. And let me tell you something. It's a good thing that. Uh, George Soros doesn't have the power of the evil emperor where he can just kind of from a distance grab you. 
You confirm this? Do you know this for a fact? He doesn't have that power? Because I don't... <gasps> no, he doesn't have that power. Okay. He doesn't have that power. Mm. He doesn't, definitely doesn't have that power. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a cricket in my throat. It's uh, cricket paste or cricket powder? <laughs> <laughs> well, cricket powder now has been okayed for, uh, in the EU for, you know, use in flour. as a flour substitute, so you can... That's kind of a problem. Why? I... I... Well, I don't want to eat bugs. That's kind of one of my oh, things. Really? Yeah, I have this really? weird hang-up. You'd rather on that. have, you know, wheat, something that's yeah. tested, something that you know, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah I was thinking like, you know, this is progress, man. Pr- the cricket powder is progress. Yes, yes. What's yes. the taste of the cricket powder? Do we know? No, it, like flour. It just tastes just like flour. Just grounding like flour. up, bu- really? Does grounding up bugs taste just like grounding up plants? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, okay. ground up wheat. You know, this is this is this is how the white man will do you. Okay, I knew it was the white man's yeah. fault. Yeah. Instead, he's made crickets and locusts into these evil animals when they have just been coming every seven years, going, uh, "Yeah, uh, we're eating all the wheat because it's bad. You guys should eat us." Hello, food chain. Mm. See what I mean? That's so nice of yeah of the, the that invasive species. It, it really <laughs> is. It really is, and they are delicious delicious by the way uh, the uh, new zealand prime minister announced her resignation this week she was going in for um uh re-election it was beginning to look like it might be a humiliating defeat <laughs> and so she was like nah not me and so she's out mm. uh and uh now is she british is just a british leader of new yeah. zealand okay yeah well all right, it's all sure. you know it's got the british flag it's you know yeah it's pretty it's, much the same it's pretty much the same. very similar they're very close that's an island she's you know the queen's right. on an island mm-hmm. what's the difference uh anyway uh she is uh she's known for you know her love of the world economic forum and climate change oh and lockdowns and big covid zero person yeah which again she got uh non-stop praise for when it was actually happening she was continually but not praised from the voters. No. I don't think. You know? I mean, initially, I think she was popular. Uh, she had kind of a Cuomo arc. Oh, you know, you, you know. Got, she, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody was popular when we didn't know what it was, right. and then as soon as we really realized what it was, we were like, okay, well, we can stop all this stuff. That kind of seemed like the sensible reaction. I mean, kind of. Never was it okay to suspend constitutional rights over Correct. a virus, no matter. But you can, even it was much, much worse. But than you it can was. understand. I remember yeah. they were welding people in their houses yeah. in China. Uh, yeah, and you're like, what is this? Is this Ebola? I think we were just talking about this off the air the other day. But you know, all the the cell phone location data mm. from people show that they went basically into lockdown before the government told them to go into lockdown yes, back in March. I, know. I mean, people I know. really didn't want any part of this. They wanted to know what the heck was going on. Mm-hmm. So it took a few weeks for people to kind of understand and get comfortable with the effect of, okay, we can do this. We shouldn't do this. We should be outside more. We shouldn't be inside. We should try to avoid our sick and elderly relatives. All the things that now are obviously really common sense back then weren't well known so it took a little while so people kind of did go into their their caves whether the government told them to or not incidentally they also came out of their caves long before the government said it was okay they decided to make their own choices and that's what americans do sure sure so tomorrow we're going to be talking to an expert on this absolutely unprecedented in all catholic history a pope who just dies had written a book and held it until he died Mm. to expose 
the civil war that's being fought inside of the Catholic Church. It talks about all kinds of stuff. Nobody, nobody is talking about it. We will with an expert on tomorrow and the Glenn Beck program. COVID part due in Scotland.